There's never just two sides to a sports issue. Welcome to Three Sides Sports Talk. Welcome everyone to Three Sides Sports Talk. We are here for the next hour as your therapy session because over the past two days, I got to say the emotions have swung from unbelievable to anger. There was a pissed off text. There was a, I'm going to throw up text. There was, there was all kinds of things that have gone on since the Niners debacle in what is just the house of horrors for them up in Seattle. So let's start the therapy session off right with a guy whose glass is always half full, Mr. <laughs> Optimism. Jerry Sue, give me your thoughts. I thought you were going to go with Jeff, but okay. Riddle me this. <laughs> Riddle me that. The Niners were supposed to be good, so what the hell was that? Seriously. I mean, look, I get it. Like you said, Seattle, always a house of horrors for the Niners, which is why back in October when we played the Seahawks at Levi's, I said it was a must win. Because if you're going to be a legit contender, you've got to at least split each of your divisional matchups. So we had to win at home since winning in Seattle is pretty much damn near impossible, it seems. Because what, what are we now? Two and 12 playing on their turf since 2009. But this time should have been different. I know we talked about the pervasiveness of league parity, but these two teams were trending in completely opposite directions. Niners steamrolling towards the playoffs. Seahawks lost, floundering. Yet, they proved that even in their darkest hour, they're still better than the Niners, who were completely outplayed and outcoached, hence the vomiting and all the other, oh, just, just frustrating feelings. Because freaking Richard Hightower, dude, that's two weeks in a row your special teams were absolute trash. Same with Josh Norman, flat out liability at corner, as was Diamador Lenore, except it's tough to criticize a rookie who's thrown into the fire after Mosley's injury when Lenore had gotten zero game reps for the longest time. You know, Herm Edwards once said, you play to win the game. Well, I think logic says you play to get better at the game. Unless you're Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, who hasn't gotten any better since becoming the Niners starting quarterback. And frankly, if you ask me, the G in Jimmy G means gotta go. As in, adios muchacho, it's been real. So as far as I'm concerned, it's time to turn the page and start Trey Lance from here on out. All right, before we get to Jeff, just on that, does that mean the pl playoffs are off the table? Well, I, I, I don't know why that has to be the narrative. You know, I mean, I, I've said this before, and I still believe that making Trey Lance the starter doesn't automatically mean you're giving up on the season. In fact, I think the Niners have just as good of a chance to make the playoffs and possibly do even more damage with Trey Lance under center than with Jimmy G. And here's why. Because of the Niners' offensive formula. So tell me, when the Niners win, what's the main thing they do on offense that's successful? Yeah, they run the ball. That's right. They run the ball. And they don't just run to keep things balanced. They run the crap out of the ball, like 40 times a game in order to win. And that's the kind of game plan you typically have to protect a rookie quarterback. Yet that's what they're doing with a veteran like Jimmy. Why? Because he's incredibly mediocre. That's why. But since that's the formula, then you can absolutely turn the team over to Lance at this point. Because everything that Jimmy does, Trey can do, and possibly more. Okay. Jeff, your, your thoughts on Seattle before we, we turn the page? Yeah, I mean... Jerry, you pretty much uh, laid it all out there. I mean, I'm trying to think of what else uh, to, to mention. You pretty much named everything, and and your your pissed offness is still coming through in your your <laughs> opening, I guess, right? 
I think we're all pissed off, right? I don't know who wasn't pissed off after that game just because it's Seattle. I got Pete Carroll chomping his gum over there and rah-rah on the sidelines on the fake punt. So frustrating <laughs> to watch that guy. Oh, uh, yeah, Russell Wilson, all of a sudden, he becomes Russell Wilson again. He's zipping the ball over the place. Like, what? He looked like shit last week. I was like, oh, look him sailing passes out of bounds, and here he comes, just Russell Wilson again. But <sighs> – my thought coming into this was, I don't know what else to say, because if you're going to talk about Trey Lance, they're not going to play Trey Lance. And so I don't know where to even go with that uh, argument anymore. It's like, well, well here, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say, Todd, real quick. Like, just, I, that's where I'm at with after this game. I was pissed. And now I'm just like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. All right. So <laughs> are, are, you, are you with are you with Jerry? Like. You're 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 six and six. Bench Jimmy put in Trey. Well, I don't know how this is going to sound to you because I don't know what <laughs> you're. I don't know what you want me to say. You're saying like maybe you don't agree with that, but I, I was saying that after the Eagles game. So I I would put in Dre, yes, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, the the Seattle game was bad uh, on so many levels because not only the obvious getting burned for seventy four yards on a fake punt in the in the first. You know, after you're you're about to go three and out, you gotta know. I think we t- I think we talked about it last podcast. We talked about Seattle is this caged animal. They're gonna do whatever it takes. So how did you not foresee them pulling out all the stops? You know, double passes, flea flickers, fake this, fake that. Like you had to be so buttoned up for that that those types of plays. And not only were you but not buttoned up. That I don't know what happened because it's as if they didn't even have anyone on that side of the field during the fake. I mean, no one even came close to touching. Like he had a convoy going down. It's like, how did that happen? You know, compounding the fact that we we saw Travis Benjamin lose the opening fumble of the second half, but on my rewatch of the game, he almost fumbled that first kickoff. Like he went down, he was bobbling, pulled it in. I mean, it was kind of a, solo tackle so nothing really happened but uh, Richard Hightower has not done anything to seemingly warrant the support because his special teams coverage has been very flawed very flawed his he hasn't brought anything to the table like you don't see the Niners running a fake you don't see the Niners you know doing anything like that to try you know I mean, you got use check, you know, as an up back. What? How are you not direct snapping to him? How are you, how are you not playing him? Through, how are you not doing something, especially during some of these games where that's the type of play that is the boost your team may have needed to sustain a drive or to continue momentum or to put up points in a game that you ended up losing by, you know, a, sing, a single score. So um, that was disturbing. Um, and you guys know me. I am I'm a complete shanahan supporter i think that any you know derogatory things directed towards him um are ill-advised considering what the head coaching history of this team has been you know so to see for me to come out and say i think he was out coached specifically in the second half is something you know of note because i'm not a i'm not a guy to come out and bash shanahan that often but you didn't score a single point in the second you, you went into the halftime Right. You know, with 23 points and you, that's how you ended the game, you know, and those, those types of adjustments, they have to, they have to be made. You have to make those adjustments, you know, at halftime, you saw Seattle at the end of the first half, you know, your, your defense needed to make a stop. You get the big Kittle touchdown to go up 23, you know, by, by two touchdowns, basically. Um, and then your defense lets them march down the field and Lenore gets roasted on, you know, for the touchdown. So now Seattle scores with seconds left. So it was those types of things that there were no adjustments made at halftime in a big divisional game with a team that you have plenty of tape on. Like you should have had years and years of tape to see what do these guys do? What's Russell Wilson do? What Peter, like this isn't an unknown. And that was the frustrating part for me in terms of what you saw throughout that game so i mean it was just it puts them in a bad situation they're still 
in the playoffs as the number seven seed. They're they're six and six. I still like their chances to get into the playoffs. But what this one thing that Jerry you had said, you know, talked about is this this is a team that is a contender. This team proved that it's one of a bunch right in that second tier right. of specifically NFC teams. You know, you basically you have the you have the Packers and the Bucks and the Cardinals. And then you got a bunch of teams just grouped up there, you know, a game over 500 to a game under 500. So, yes, they're still in it. Yes, they have, you know, a schedule that isn't incredibly daunting compared to, you know, say the Rams, but it didn't show the championship caliber that you were hoping to build off that Minnesota game by going, you know, getting a win, going two games over 500 and making a, a sprint to the finish. Exactly. And, you know, when I think about this team as it relates to Jimmy and as it relates to Trey, I think about the Kansas City Chiefs back when Alex Smith was still there. Like, why did Patrick Mahomes sit behind Alex Smith? It was because Kansas City was a division winning playoff team, which Jimmy and the Niners aren't. Like you said, they're six and six, 500. I mean, they might get into the playoffs still, but I mean, if you look at Jimmy's stats, he looks awfully similar to guys like Jared Goff, Teddy Bridgewater, a washed up Ben Roethlisberger, and Andy Dalton from last year when he was on the Cowboys. I mean, are those the type of quarterbacks that you'd play ahead of Trey Lance? I wouldn't. Well, that's kind of why I'm at a loss because I think I would like to see Trey play and we know what Jimmy is bringing to the table. Yet the previous three weeks, we were satisfied with Jimmy, but then this week happens. And so obviously that in every week, like it changes your, your story or changes the narrative, but um, I just think I've seen what I've seen from him. Like I said, from week one or two, and I think that Trey may give them another opportunity to help in the running game or just, you know, at least let him develop. I mean, Jimmy's still throwing two picks, taking a, taking a safety. He looks like he can't move back there in the, the pocket he's not going to tuck it and run it and then you're running a, a fourth and one and a half with, with jimmy had no chance to make that um but no no thought of putting trey in there um and so i just think that there doesn't sound like they're gonna do it so it's like i don't know what else what else more to, more to say about that but to todd's point um, a couple of things on the special teams and i know I, I i text about it that kind of stuff but where is this fourth round punter why is he not punting the ball farther on the field he had like a punt of like 30 and 31 39 yards He's not kicking the ball out of the end zone, which that, or if he's not even kicking off this week, I'm not even sure what was going on there, and which may have eliminated some of those drives by the Seahawks, talking about how you're talking about Hightower in the coverage unit, but the ball is getting kicked to the five. And most of these guys are kicking it off through the end zone or, or to the end zone at least. So, you know, that kind of thing, the Robbie Gould missing the extra point. Um, I don't know what's going on with this, with, with him. I don't know if that was, he only missed maybe that, that one. I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, but he's just been kind of, kind of shaky. So I'm not sure what's going on there. I'm guessing it's his, his, his last year, but um, yeah, I just, I just don't know like what's going on with the special teams. And and then, like you said about uh, Demo, you, you, you were on that a lot, Jerry, um, but I just don't know what else he was supposed to do in that position, like coming in like that. So that's why I'm saying I'm not blaming it all to him. There was just no overall pressure and then they just weren't doing very well um, covering. And it was just funny about that because like I said last week in the podcast, like the secondary seemed to calm down a little bit. And like, and like you said, Todd, uh, coming off or Jerry coming off of three wins and like, how are you trending? And then all of a sudden just like the secondary fell apart and the whole thing just went to shambles and now we're all pissed off and looking for uh, a scapegoat like Jimmy, but yeah. Well, I have two questions based on what you said. Number one is Wisnowski hurt or is he just, just super tired because of his, because of his newborn. I, Cause I don't understand I don't why now we see Robbie gold handle some of the kickoffs. So that's my right. first question. My second question is, does Jimmy Garoppolo think Quadri Diggs is a 49 receiver considering how often he throws the ball to him? Which now it's maybe Todd does. I'm not sure what's going on. That's why I mean, I don't know what's going on there. Like, I don't know, kick the ball out of the end zone. I don't, <laughs> why are you not kicking off? I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know. Maybe he's hurt, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he's hurt. I heard on the radio broadcast like a couple weeks ago that they were talking about Tim Ryan and Greg Popper were talking about 
how it, it was about to be a Niner kickoff, and they said, "Oh, this this is the this will probably be a chance that Kyle sends out Robbie Gold," as if the plan is for Gold to kick the ball like to the goal line, so it can't be returned, and the the coverage is supposed to pin him inside the twenty-five, opposed to Wisnowski basically putting him at the 25 every time, you know, by kicking it out of the end zone. So the fact that they brought that up as if that's a yeah. strategy point, you yeah. know, it almost seems like that, right? Like my, that's pink my ear. Trying to kick it short, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it, I mean, look, we've, we've talked numerous times for hours on end about the Jimmy and the Trey thing. And, you know, I, I hear Jerry's point of, he thinks he thinks Trey Lance it can be better than Jimmy in these last five games. Like, and I mean he's not alone. I just don't see it. I don't think it can happen. So, as we said, whatever a couple of weeks ago, I don't think you're going to see Trey until you are out of the playoffs. So. But not even better. I mean, you don't think he could have he could be the same? Like we couldn't be around six and six if Trey Lance had started. From day one. I mean, I think you could be. Sure. I think you could be. Yeah. And, and that's my point. I mean, like, okay, like for example, with the with the with the safety, right? We talked about the safety that Jimmy took, which was bad. But and I'm sure some people would blame Tom Compton, and that's fair because he was terrible. <laughs> but if you're gonna blame the right tackle for getting blown up, then you can't say that. Trey Lance's performance in that first matchup against Seattle was insignificant because Carlos Dunlap blew up Mike McGlinchey just the same. But the difference was that Trey was able to get away from Dunlap's pressure and make positive plays. Sure. So, it, you know, right. yeah. And, and if you want another, you know, somewhat equal comparison, you can look at the games against Arizona, right? Lance faced the hot Cardinals team on the road that was at, at the top of their game with everyone healthy, JJ Watt, Chandler Jones were breathing down his neck all game yet. You know, he kept the team in the game. They almost won it at the end, but when the Niners faced Arizona at home, Jimmy didn't even have to face Watt or Jones. And the Cardinals were also missing Kyler Murray and Deandre Hopkins. Yet the Niners got boat raced. Like, you know, and obviously on the surface, it's easy to say that it was the defense's fault and, Jimmy's stats would lead you to believe that the loss wasn't his fault. But if you look at four of the five sacks that he took, or sorry, four of the five sacks were his fault, I should say. Whether it was because of poor processing, making incorrect reads, or just not getting the ball out on time, which, you know, was part of what resulted in that lopsided loss to Colt McCoy and Arizona's JV team. So that's why I don't believe that Jimmy gives the Niners any better of a chance to win than Trey does. And I, as far as I'm concerned, I just think Jimmy is the binky that Kyle Shanahan just can't wean himself off of. Cause I don't know, I think Kyle at some level coaches scared and nonsensical at times. Uh, go ahead. Elaborate. Well, I mean, I just think that there have been a number of occasions when it comes to the quarterback position that Kyle's decisions and comments have come into question. Like in this last game against Seattle, you know, Shanahan said, Oh, you know, he didn't want to put Lance in at the end because Trey hadn't played in the last however many games. Well, whose fault is that? I mean, the game against Jacksonville was well in hand by the end of the third quarter. Shanahan could have played Lance the entire fourth quarter. And then there are moments in the Seattle game when Lance could have gone in like the fourth and one where he called the zone read for Garoppolo, you know, or even forget that. How about the play before on third down so that they wouldn't even had to maybe have gotten to that fourth down. Right. And I know you believe that Kyle's never wavered in Trey Lance's status, that this always was going to be a redshirt year, but I just don't think that's true because Shanahan stated at the beginning and I quote, I think what has been tough on Trey is he didn't get to play football all last year. So regardless of what happens, I'm trying to make sure that Trey doesn't go another year without playing football, getting him reps on the practice field and hopefully in games too. And we'll see how this all pans out. End quote. 
And as we saw in the very first game against Detroit, there it was, the Lance package. But now he's like, oh, the Trey Lance package is no good. It ruins my play calling mojo because I don't know how the defenses are going to react. Like, what the F, man? You're Kyle Shanahan. You've seen it all. And the point of the Trey package is to put the defense on their heels and make them adjust to whatever crazy concept you come up with, mad scientist, genius, offensive guru guy, not the other way around. So, yeah, I mean, that's – and, and I'd be like, what, what if Jimmy had gone down with an injury on that last drive? What was he going to do? Oh, I, I can't play Trey Lance. I'm going to play Kyle Juszczyk at quarterback because Trey hasn't played in however many games. So that's why I just – I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't buy what Kyle's selling when it comes who's, to who's, why who's, he's keeping Lance on the bench. Who's, who's got the stopwatch before Jerry went so far off the rails that he put Kyle Juszczyk at quarterback? <laughs> yes, because that's exactly what Kyle's quotes are that – He's not ready to play Lance, even if Jimmy gets hurt. That, that's nonsensical right there. And I know you don't believe it, but it, I, again, I, this is what I envisioned. And when in that last preseason game, when you saw the shuffling in and out, I was stunned that they were doing it. And how it's progressed is not surprising to me. It's just, it's just not. Um, as for Trey playing, yeah, he could have got he could have got in there in the, in the Jacksonville game. He could. There are moments that he could have got in. Now looking back at it, we've talked week after week about. Do you think there was a an a opportunity to put Lance in there? And we've all agreed that there there hasn't been. Just uh-uh, I told you about Jacksonville. At the time, remember, we made this whole discussion where I was like, he should have put him in in the fourth quarter, and you're like, no, and. Yeah, but my again, and what was my point there? You're gonna put you're gonna put him in in this situation just for reps. I mean, that's what it would have been, just for reps, right? I mean, that's what he said he needs, right? I mean, that's what I mean. It's a, just another. Well, well, what was the quote? He well, needs there's practice. another confounding quote that he, pra- he, pra- he needs practice reps. Ago. He needs practice reps, and hopefully in the game. Right, and but then a couple of weeks ago. He said, and I'll read it, you know, another quote. He said, quote, Trey has the whole playbook in his head. He was able to do that in training camp. If you work at it, you're going to learn it all, but it's about going through it full speed. It's about going through it at game time tempo and going against the blitzes and all the stuff that can surprise you. And that just comes with experience, end quote. So Kyle's basically saying that Lance already knows the whole playbook, but he just needs to play to gain experience, but he's too inexperienced to play. So, I mean, he doesn't, and uh, uh, that's like the ultimate catch 22 that Kyle's just hiding behind, right? Because the fact that Lance supposedly knows the entire playbook is huge. And, but yet the only, and the only way he can get better is by playing in the game at what he says, game time tempo, going against full speed blitzes, but he's not letting him do that. I, I agree with you. I understand that, but that's the, that's the point is we, we've talked about it before game reps and learning on the job is, is great for the long run. It's great for the long game, which Trey hopefully will be the quarterback for a long time for the short game. It's not, it's, it's not a guarantee that you're going to be better. You know that, and that's, that's what it is. Jeff, you want to jump in? I was, I was going to say, like, I think the bottom line is like, if, in, I think that's what Shanahan's plan was all along to pretty much redshirt him. But the, and that's what the idea that the perfect scenario of we're 10 and two or eight and four, and it hasn't gone that way. So therefore we're talking about this all the time. And if he's got the playbook and we've seen what we've seen from Jimmy, I don't like, again, like to what Jerry said, I don't think the narrative should be uh, we're giving up on the playoffs because I still think watching Jimmy play and all the frustration you see from Jimmy, that, you know, Trey can easily do that, or if not be better. So that's why I think okay, it'd be okay. nice to see, but it just sounds like they're not going to do it. So okay. I guess I'm just more hopeful, right? Okay, right. Yeah, that is hopeful. I'm not, I'm not, that's great. But isn't it possible he's he's not as good right now? Isn't it? Isn't there a possibility? Well, there's always there's always a possibility, but there's also a possibility that he's as good as Mac Jones or any of these other guys that are playing. 
but it's like you said, Todd, it's, you and don't know. Experience until you too, so, um, right. You, you don't know until you see right. it. And then that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, I want to see it because I, I, I want to I, see what he can do. And then we can decide, oh, this guy sucks or whatever. I understand. I, I get it. But you, you've also advocated for, give me Lenore. I want Lenore in there, right? You got yeah. Lenore in there and he gets burned. He gives up a touchdown. He commits a PI. So yeah, why? Because they he doesn't, he doesn't give playing time. Right. So they should have played him from the, instead of Josh Norman, instead, instead of Dre Kirkpatrick, they should have given him that playing time. So maybe if it got to this scenario, he wouldn't have been so bad. Again, I get it. I get it. But you are, you're, you're assuming every game went, is going the same way of these past 12 with, with rookies, with Lenore. You're, you're assuming that Cousins doesn't hit feeling for another touchdown against Lenore. You're assuming that any number of these things happen, you know, because Lenore played equally as well and not like he just did against Seattle. That's my point is I, I'm conceding it's possible. Trey could get in there, play well, be as good as Jimmy. When, when he could, he could be six and six. He could be, you know, there. I'm also saying, I think he can be four and eight. And I, you know, that, that's the thing. So if you're, we, if you're Kyle Shanahan and you have this roster coming into this year, you're not willing to give up games early in the season in a possible playoff team. That, that was the, that was the key. If this season turns out to be a non-playoff year with non-Trey Lance development, it's a complete failure. That is a complete failure of the year. That, and I'm, I, I'm putting it out. That's, that's my opinion on that. So you have to make the playoffs or you have to get trade the development. But here's Those the were your two paths. The bottom line right now is the team is six and six. And whether or not the team makes the playoffs or not, in my opinion, does not hinge on Jimmy Garoppolo playing because of the way that the Niners are basing their offense around. So to me, the best thing is for Trey to get in there, to get experience so he can hit the ground running next season. Otherwise, you're going to be starting from square one and going through the growing pains in 2022 if Trey doesn't play now. Anyway. But that's why, that's why I'm saying, are you, are you okay not going to the playoffs this year? At this point, if you're saying that because you're giving Trey Lance the reins of the team, I'm absolutely fine with that. Okay. Well, th- again, that – But I don't see that necessarily is the automatic. Like, oh, okay, well – white flag because we put Trey Lance in, which is seemingly the narrative around those parts that, well, we're not going to concede and put him in. I'm like, why does it have to be that? I mean, again, you're Kyle Shanahan, right? That's, that is why you are the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. But but that, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. You can design up the best plays possible. If your quarterback can't make the throw, read the defense, or do, make the audible, the play means nothing. Well, I guess you're right. We've seen that with Jimmy Garoppolo, haven't we? It just doesn't yes, matter. Yes, yes, yeah, no, you're, you're <laughs> right. Jimmy Garoppolo is the worst quarterback to ever take a snap. Trey Lance is God. I mean, clearly we would be 12-0 with him. You, you, refuse to even concede, yeah. you refuse to even concede that Lance needs a rookie year. I don't know why I'm saying that I'm saying that Jimmy is not good enough for Trey Lance to be sitting on the bench. That's what I'm saying. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, and then, and then also um, we always say this, like what we need to get a quarterback that hit, hit these throws. And so what Kyle do, he went out and got a quarterback to hit those throws. And then he's just sitting over there on the, on the bench. So like, I, I don't think he can't make those throws. I think he can hand it off. I think he can do different packages where he run takes off running. I think he can hit those throws that Jimmy seemingly can't make. So to me, I think we could be better. But the problem is we need to have the other guys there as well. You can't throw Trey in there and then say, well, sorry, there's no Joe Wilson Jr. And there's no Devo, there's no Kittle, and our corners are all banged up. Well, then we're probably still going to go eight and nine. Either Wait, way. Whoa, so, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Why can you why can you give Lance the excuse that he doesn't have, but you can't give it to Jimmy? I can give it to Jimmy as well. I'm saying that we need to have all these other guys healthy as well. Because Jimmy is a veteran. He's got to be better. He should be better than Trey. Oh, but but all I was saying about I Jimmy was I don't think Trey is going to be worse than Jimmy per se. I'm just saying they both need to have these other guys playing because if they're not then we're screwed anyway you put trey lanson this week and all he has is a banged up uh, elijah mitchell and there's no one else healthy then it's gonna be a tough day right is mitchell even playing i mean he's in concussion protocol yes that's right yeah so i think the only guy we have is he's your only available running back right so that's gonna be tough but then but then maybe trey then gives you another option to run it or whatever that jimmy doesn't give you so I don't know. Or maybe I'll throw the ball to Ross Dwelly more. <laughs> Two tight end package. That's a thought. I think Ross Dwelly. Got have Warner and Dwelly and Kittle all in there together. Dwelly's still on the team. I feel like I see Charlie Warner, but I never see Dwelly anymore. Dwelly's still on the team. Third now. Um, oh, yeah. All right. So, what do you think? What, what's going on to Cincinnati? Mean we that now that you can say on to Cincinnati? I mean, they're banged up. That's funny. I was going to say that. I was going to say I don't know what the hell happened in Seattle, but we're on to Cincinnati, and then nothing else. <laughs> nothing else to say. But um, I, I don't know. Again, with the injuries, right? So, is Debo going to play? Is Greenlaw going to play? Is Warner going to play? Is who's playing quarterback? I assume it's Jimmy, but who's he handing off to? I mean, this. So the injury thing is, you know, is it a big deal? I mean, obviously people say next man up or, or they think, oh, this is just about Jimmy and Trey. But like I said, I mean, who's playing in our secondary? Like, I mean, what I don't know. I don't know. Man, man to come up next, <laughs> like in our running back room. Right. So, I mean, even Todd's buddy, Trenton Cannon, he finally get, gets knocked out of the game, right? You didn't want him around. And then he was see what happened when he goes down. And Benjamin's fumbling the ball over the place. So, shit. Too, too bad we didn't have Cannon. Maybe he wouldn't have fumbled that ball, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, with all those question marks that you just outlined, and on the Cincinnati side, I mean, with guys like Mixon, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, and their trigger man, Joe Burrow, I just don't see how the Niners, with all their banged up players, particularly in the secondary, how they're going to be able to contain them. I mean, maybe if they're able to clone a bunch of Aziz Al Shahirs. That's one guy who really shined in this past game and has actually had a career year. Maybe yeah. they'd have a fighting chance that they had a whole bunch of Al Shahidis running around like, you know, madmen on the field. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I'm envisioning another one in the loss column in Cincy. Yeah, I am now looking at our banged up secondary and the weapons they have. I, I'm in the same boat, I think. Which it may be better that way because then maybe it'll have a better outcome if I'm like, eh, whatever, we're gonna lose, and then so. Well, well, I mean, with that said, none of us thought the Rams game was even going to be close. We we all thought, boy, let's let's hope it's not an embarrassment on prime time, and let's get on to yeah. some of these winnable games. And then they come out and do what they did. Okay. Um, yeah. In in the NFC, you're get, you got to get to nine wins. So you need three. You need three wins in these. You need to go three and two in these last five games. Can you do it? Can you can you beat Atlanta? Can you beat Houston? And then can you beat Cincinnati, Tennessee, or the Rams? Like you, you need to win one of those games. If you're a playoff team, you should be able to win one of those games. Like you, that's the thing. If you can, if you can't win one of those games, you whatever the reason is, injuries, quarterback play, whatever it. You didn't deserve to get to the playoffs. You did, you know, we, we overestimated this team. You know, every, everything that we've talked about before is if you can't win one of these three games starting this week in Cincinnati, you don't deserve to get to the playoffs anyway, because you're just, you're no better than the Washington football team or, you know, the Falcons or the Eagles, like all of these very flawed teams regardless of your injury like if you have better coaching and better you know roster construction top to bottom you should win the you should win games and if you can't win one of these three you know it, it shouldn't you shouldn't you don't deserve to make the playoffs i guess you, is the way to put it 
And the Falcons game isn't necessarily a, a win, I guess, because they're right in the thick of it too, kind of, aren't they? Like five and seven yeah. or something. I mean, so. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely, you know, but, and that's. But I thought, I mean, the Seattle game, uh, to Jerry's point, being like a must win, but the way we were trending, the way they were trending, I thought, well, that's a game that they should win if they're going to be a playoff contender. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know it's Seattle and that, so you throw all that out the window, I guess, but still, like, to be, you know, taken seriously, they should have controlled that game a little better. You're sitting at one in four in the division, you know, and you've lost twice to Kingsbury and twice to Pete Carroll. That, 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 that's a stain on your resume. That does not look good. I've, I just think, and I'm starting to sense it more and more. And I, you would hope that some of it's just, he's still a young head coach in his tenure, but He's an old soul in terms of being in the NFL for so long, but Shanahan needs Shanahan is, I don't know in baseball, you'd call him like a four a player. Like he's too good just to be an offensive coordinator, but as a head coach, at least now he doesn't seem to be taking responsibility for anything other than play calling. Like, again, we talked about it. Why was Trent Cannon not shown the door immediately after making his, his errors, you know, at the beginning of the season? Why are so many of these players allowed to continue to make mistakes, mental errors? Like, why are they, why are they not being held accountable, you know, to, to, to things? And I'm not talking, you know, I don't know, maybe they are, maybe they, maybe they got to do burpees and push-ups, you know, in meeting rooms that we can't see, but, they're still being rolled out there as starters. They're still getting playing time. If you cut Trent Cannon and Travis Benjamin is your kick returner from that day, does what happened on Sunday change? I don't know. But again, there's an accountability that Kyle does not seem to want to do. I don't know if he's too much of a player's coach. I don't know if he's too loyal. I mean, Hightower has been with him for what? was like they went to school together in texas at the university of texas so his loyalty to so many of these guys seems to be clouding what i would think yeah. is the bill belichick ism of being a head coach of i don't care the results matter you're not producing yeah time to change check and, and, to, and to that point that's kind of that kind of scares me a little bit and realize that he's been with Hightower that long because now he's not going to get rid of him I mean I, it'd be really hard to do that right like ever same with the running backs coach not that he needs a new running backs coach necessarily but that guy's been there forever he promised him a job all that so I mean yeah I don't know all these relationships run deep but one thing I noticed last night and speaking of Belichick as well uh they, they were talking about that uh that running back was a Singletary or what's, what's the guy the running back the rookie Singleton or for uh, the Patriots, I oh, guess he Stevens, fumbled like Stevenson or whatever. Yeah, and he got and he got benched, and then like he came back like two games later and messed up, and then Belichick benched him again, and then like he's slowly making his way back in there. So, so to your point about like accountability, like he did that, or he has always done that with these guys, and so Shannon maybe is, you know is afraid to do that or whatever, but Belichick's not. And now this guy's producing still, but he was shown the bench early on. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean that's I think. There are a couple of things. One, it just goes to show that the depth of this team is not there. I mean, that I, I, that's got to be the only reason why he has no other option but to stick with these guys. And I know you said, well, you just get rid of them, bring somebody else in. But I'm guessing that Kyle, I mean, he just isn't comfortable with stuff like that. He's not comfortable. He needs to be, he needs to feel comfortable with the player. And if he's comfortable with the player, he'll give him extra rope. But at the same time, this is why you get all the self-inflicted. This is why, as you mentioned, because either there's a lack of accountability or because Kyle just isn't on top of every aspect of the team and focuses solely on the offense, that it's not as buttoned up as you would think a Kyle Shanahan coach team would be. Because that, that's been the team's big bugaboo this whole season. Why are they 6-6? Six and six? Besides, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. But, I mean, I think, you know, the, they're just not a buttoned-up outfit because they, I guess they, you know, Kyle, I mean, is it what he needs, the equivalent you brought up baseball, the equivalent of, like, a bench coach where there's a guy who sort of helps him oversee things because he doesn't, 
either have the bandwidth or the inclination. I mean, I'm just not sure. Yeah. Well, and, and also the, just his, his mannerisms during the game seem to be, he seems to be this really smart kid in your high school class. Like he's so smart. He's not paying attention to everybody. As soon as the teacher calls on him, he knows the answer. Even though nobody else knows what's going on in his head, no one else, you know, is there with him. Like he just knows and he needs to elevate his coaching staff to that point, to the point where I don't know if, I don't know if it's D'Amico Ryan's being a first year coordinator. He doesn't feel comfortable, but like, how is, how does Kyle not go to D'Amico and just say, he cannot play anymore. Like those two roughing the passer penalties on that, the drive. Again, that is just discipline. You know, the, the untimely uh, a penalties with Jennings holding, Jennings blocking the back, uh, Tomlinson. Told, like we can go over ticky tack this and that, but like you can't put yourself into that position two times, giving the Seattle 30 yards of free free yardage, you know, in that situation. And like, it's not like you're at the beginning of the game where you're trying to send a message like, oh, let's knock him around. Like you are in the, the game is being held in the balance. Who performs best? And you shot yourself in the foot twice. And I think that comes down to the discipline, the coaching and the accountability that I don't know if these guys feel that, eh, I made that mistake, but that's okay. I get the, I'm going to be rolled out there later on in the game, next week, whatever. Right. I mean, and this is not preseason. I mean, they should be more aware. They should be much sharper than they are, but they're not. I mean, heck, they had an eight game preseason as far as I'm concerned, considering how slow they started and how inconsistent they played in the first eight games. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just, just disappointing. All right. So we're on to Cincinnati. We all agree it's going to be, on paper, a very tough game because they do have their their strengths are quarterback who's athletic, a fast receiver, a pounded running back. It's going to be tough. And then you go watch that game against the Chargers and how the Chargers just manhandled their the the defensive line for Cincinnati the entire first half, and that's the only thing that kind of gives me hope in the beginning of the game is imposing or if we as the Niners can impose our will on them early and go back to what has made was successful for a couple games and that's establish the run grind it out get these long drives and just basically mercy them into submission where they just cannot build any momentum that's what they're gonna have to do they they cannot get into a shootout like that's not a surprise they can't go toe-to-toe point for point for these guys so you have to establish it on the offensive line in the defensive line hopefully warner's back hopefully debo's back you know i mean we i know we didn't talk very much positive but love seeing kittle go off love seeing him be the main you know focus of the passing game get those targets turn the ball upfield dance down the sideline for his touchdown all of those types of things would seem to, okay, this is what they, this is the recipe, follow the recipe. You know, that, that, that's what they're going to need to do. We, we, we've established, we know what they have to do. They demonstrated it in those games where they put together 10, 15, played drives, took up the entire first row, but they got to go execute. And Jerry put him on the hot seat to start the game. So is Zach Taylor, can he, can he needs, Shanahan needs to outcoach Zach Taylor. That's, that's what it is. The lines need to win both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Those, that's what's going to control this game. And Richard Hightower better be sleeping in the facility, coming up with ways to make sure they do not give up any more, you know, chunk yardage in the return game. Yeah, hopefully Shanahan has a voodoo doll of Zach Taylor like he does of Sean McVay. That would help go a long way. <laughs> All right, with that said, spin us around the NFL. Anything else that caught your eye? Well, I think the two, two of the biggest stories 
this week were Detroit getting off the schneid and finally getting its first win and the Minnesota Vikings being relegated to the ACC. No, just kidding about that. But I think something should happen to them. You can't lose to a winless team after like week 10 and not have any sort of penalty. Um, And the second story would be Minshew mania, baby, being back on track in Philadelphia. (laughs) And speaking of being back on track, uh, there's nothing that cures a team's ills quite like facing Jacksonville because after struggling for the better part of the last month, Matthew Stafford and the Rams got right by throttling the Jags and too bad for Urban Meyer because Notre Dame already hired a new head coach, which I'm sure he wishes he could be right about now. Uh, and you guys were talking about the Patriots. So in the battle of, for, you know, AFC East supremacy, the Patriots seem to have cemented their status as the best team in the division and maybe even in the conference with that ugly win last night over the Buffalo Bills where they only had to throw three passes uh, to win that game. Apparently all Bill Belichick needs is a defense and a running game. So I guess if I were to put money on it right now, I'd say that we may be looking at a Patriots Bucks Super Bowl. Belichick versus Brady. How you like them apples? I don't like yeah. them apples at all. <laughs> not, 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 not in the least. No. Like, yeah, yeah, Jerry, you stole my line. I was gonna say that. So yeah, the Patriots threw the ball three times, bro. Like, come on. But yeah, they didn't need to, right? I mean, but how do you feel if you're if you're the the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins? You're like, oh great, Brady's gone. Now someone else can take over, and then Belichick's like you know what, I'm going to take one year off and then I'm going to go reload and spend a gazillion dollars and get Mac Jones just in my lap who looks perfectly capable and then we still win the AFC. Like, that's incredible, dude. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like when, the, when the Colts, uh, when Peyton Manning left and they got Andrew Luck. Like, like well, come on. You know, like it's, they're just going to keep rolling, I guess. But yeah, um, the other game, I guess, Minshew Mania, like, should that guy be starting somewhere in the NFL? Like, I saw this one meme, it's pretty funny, right? Baker Mayfield, or what is it about Baker Mayfield? Like, Gardner Minshew is who Baker Mayfield thinks he is, or whatever. Yeah, just <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, and then, and then of course, the Lions, uh, finally get off the schneid to talk about that one, I guess. Um, good, good for them, right? That last minute victory, which I was hoping for for us on Sunday, but it didn't quite work out the same, but. Yeah, I was yelling at the TV. I was like, throw it to that 14 guy down there. And then, boom, he hits it. Like, uh, I don't know what they're playing defense, though, on that. I don't know why they were out back so far. Like, what was he doing? So, but whatever. Lions get their win. So, Vikings are reeling, right? Vikings are reeling. Uh, Congratulations to to um, to the Lions. I will say, though, and I stand by it, the fact that it's not. It's no wonder why Dan Campbell has stayed in the league so much. I mean, his personality with the players has to be infectious. The fact that, like, he's willing to go for it in your own territory, up by two point, whatever it is, like, that's, 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 that's dumb. That is coaching <laughs> malpractice. But, I mean, obviously, the player, yeah, let's go for it, you know. And then it, they, like, play action, Goff gets sacked, he fumbles. They go and give up the touch. Like, it's no wonder Dan Campbell, like, is infectious and he's, you know, part of a coaching staff. But as the head guy calling these plays, I don't know. I don't know how Detroit can feel comfortable if that's how – I mean, there's macho and then there's macho. I mean, you want to talk about kind of, you know, hey, big swinging dick. Like, John Harbaugh going for two points in a game division game They've been sputtering. He could have kicked the extra point, sent that game to overtime. And I would have thought that was the better play because when you're the better team talent-wise, like you are with the Ravens, you have Lamar, you have the players. Like the longer a game goes, the better team wins out. Like any team can win on any given Sunday, right? Right. But if you play a hundred games, the better team's going to win 70% 70% of them, right? Because it's just the better team's going to come out on top. So the fact that John Harbaugh decided, no, I'm going for two and it doesn't work out. Well, I mean, that's I mean, too bad for him. I mean, very exciting game, like coming down to the wire. It made me think, 
even though I wonder what Kyle would have done. Would he have, would he have put his nuts on the table for two in that, in that last, you know, play? Never know. Never know. So, um, yeah, the, uh, so, so those games, uh, just about the Patriots, um, I was going to bring it up to you because I mentioned it in text and both of you said you did not like the game. This, this, <laughs> this win, these elements, garbage. <laughs> it was so entertaining. Like you did not, every, every play was unpredictable. You did not know what was going to happen. You, you, every time Josh Allen dropped back, was he going to be able to complete the pass? regardless of how strong his arm was like that was entertaining like you did not know what was coming so and except you did know the Patriots were just going to run because early in the game when Mac Jones checked uh audible to a pass play and Belichick nearly lost his mind on Josh McDaniels because you know clearly the game plan was we're not throwing at all like right. I, I think I think I almost think Belichick wanted to win that game and not and, and set the we we don't have to throw record like that's how good I am like I can I can coach we can put anybody behind quarterback and just win the game so um that that also was interesting the um Washington football team you know gets the win which would have been nice had they lost but I think again the Raiders are in a situation where yeah. you have an interim coach you know and I think I think the clock has struck midnight on how how you get that adrenaline rush right at the beginning. Like, hey, our our coach gets fired, our our wide receivers in jail. Like, we've got to come together, and it's seemingly like they did, and then they fall apart against the Giants. They they can't get it done against you know Washington at home, and it puts it puts the Raiders into a situation where they're going to have to win some games that. Are, they, they're playing the Colts. They're playing the Browns. They're playing some, they play Kansas city this week. They're going to have to find three wins in a schedule that doesn't have a Jacksonville on it or a Houston on it. So we're getting down to the, the time of the season where you start looking at, are these, are these games, you know, what do these games mean to us? Because whatever you think about the Browns, the Browns still think they're good. So they're going to come out trying to win that game. So I think the, the stretch run, especially because the, a, the AFC is so tough. I mean, the Bills, who I, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. A lot of people picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen was going to be an MVP kit. They're the number seven seed in the AFC. You know, they, they lost to Jacksonville. They got blown out at home by the Colts. You've got to be questioning, who are they? Now they, get to go, they have to go down to Tampa Bay and play Tom Brady and the Bucks in prime time. Right. This this is entertaining. This is what Russell Crowe said when he was in the Coliseum during Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Because yeah, any any moment the the Bills can show up next Monday, and they can be out of the playoff scene. And that was just not even feasible. Right. right. We're on the flip side. The Dolphins can't lose, even though they have nobody on their team who can, you know, do anything with the ball. They just, they're catching the teams at the right time. Now they get a bye. Then they play the Jets and then they play the Saints. Spinning around the NFL on a Sunday just will make your head spin if you catch the right moment. So with that said, I hate to say it. We've got our first two game losing streak in the lock of the week situation and that was jeff jeff took those vikings who fell to the dan campbells so jeff two game losing streak you've got to come up big on your lock of the week here who you got yeah if you want to start it off i'm gonna go with uh some a team that's recommended to me and go with the broncos because there's no way the fighting dan campbells are going to two in a row they're probably still hung over and can't even practice so yeah i'll take the broncos right Jerry. Well, it's like you said, Todd, the clock has struck midnight for them Raiders, a team that has seemingly fallen on hard times, given all their struggles. 
And at the same time, the Chiefs have seemingly righted their ship. So this week, I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs as my lock. That's a that's a that's a that's a great pick, um, especially this late in the this late in the Survivor season. Yeah. You get to you get to take a, t- a team at home favored by nine. That's huge, huge. Uh, yeah. I am not nearly as lucky as I have not sketched out the Survivor plan nearly as well. So I am sitting here trying to debate between taking an underdog in the Ravens against the Browns or riding with the Seattle Seahawks against Houston because Russell Wilson's back, right? Greatest quarterback is back. Right. Right. Back. So I will, I will, I will much like I did last week with the Cardinals. I will take Seattle knowing that if they win, my survivor continues. And if they lose, I'm equally as happy. So I will take Seattle this week. <sighs> With that said, what else we got, Jerry? Well, we are on to closing uh, final thoughts, yes? If you got nothing else, give me your final thought. Well, I don't know what to tell all the Niner fans. I mean, I hope the team can get back on the winning track, and I do hope they make the playoffs. But, man, this team, this coaching staff, just been confounding to say the least so my gift to our audience members is to say that at least there are a bunch of highly anticipated movies coming out this month that you can all watch if the Niners you know become too painful like Spider-Man No Way Home which looks pretty cool based on the trailer uh coming out next week December 17th I think and also the fourth iteration of the Matrix franchise, Matrix Resurrection, uh, Resurrections, which comes out in theaters and on HBO Max December 22nd, which I honestly cannot remember where the story left off. So, yeah, it's been that long. So I, I think I'm going to have to rewatch the third one. So um, that should be fun. But I'm sure the three of us, uh, what we're looking forward to most is... Season four of Cobra Kai out on Netflix, December 31st. That's one that I'm going to have to go back and watch the last couple episodes just to, just to refresh the whole season. Yeah. Okay. Maybe the whole season. I will, I will do that. I will twist your arm, twist my arm, but you know, I'm going to, I will say, and um, I, I, I certainly have holes in my, movie watching history i've never seen a matrix what oh my never never seen any of them so um unbelievable yeah are you just anti-keanu or no i love i love keanu i I love he doesn't watch the first one i guess speed is one of my all-time favorite movies like uh you know i think and i think he's he's good in so many of uh the films i just I think I never, I've never, never wanted to. I kind of got the gist of the storyline of a red pill, blue pill, and you know all this kind of stuff. And yeah, that's all I needed. That you know, I know the pop culture lexicon, and let's move on. I don't need you know six hours of my life sucked up with you know <laughs> bu- bullets spinning over my my head in slow motion. But I did yeah. see it was filmed in San Francisco, so that's always entertaining. Jeff, your final thought. Um, so I don't know if I want to go full like conspiracy theory guy, but we didn't talk about this, but the officiating in the <laughs> NFL is starting to make me wonder if these games are fixed. And I was having an interesting conversation with my cousin about that. Uh, um what was his name? Um, uh, Donahue was his first name in the NBA. And I guess there was a podcast like recently in the last year or two where he was talking about, I guess there's some information in there about how the NBA was actually fixing games. And there were several referees that were on the dole fixing games. And I just can't help but think like, is that possibly going on? Like, I don't think it is because you see bad calls all the way around. 
But, you know, at least that one call in the back of the end zone for the Niners, that's called all day, every day on the Niners and many other teams yet right in front of the ref, no call, which would give us four chances. And I know I said it via text, but uh, to me, you could throw out the whole game. We would have scored right there because the DPI, you missed that call. The you're DPI on Trent, Trent, Trent Shurfield? Yes, you're holding him, you're passing your fairings him. We could have got four chances right there with, 40 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever it was. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a conversation for another day, not a final thought, but like what's going on with these officials? Like, I mean, they gotta be better. They just gotta be better. There's so many calls that are just so close. Nobody knows what the situation is. I mean, it's not just us talking about it. Like these conversations are happening all over the place. Like what, what, what is holding? What is pass interference? Like that one running back, uh, what's his name, that got hurt, was like, you guys are trying to do player safety, and I got tackled backwards and twisted around. I broke my ankle, whatever the thing was. And he's like, you know, you need to address this, right? So I don't know. Just It's just really it's just really bad. It's just so frustrating. And I, we don't need to talk about it all the time. Like, I don't want to make it about the officials, right? But it's so often, it's like it's just so frustrating with the officiating. And then one other thing real quick, I was telling Todd about this uh, prior to – Prior to starting, so the, the Williamsfield fighting uh, Cayennes, uh, Williamsfield Blackhawks, they lost in the oh. uh, state uh, semifinals, uh, which is too bad as a bummer. However, they did make You Got Mossed, and one of their receivers was highlighted on You Got Mossed for a touchdown wow. in the back of the end zone on Monday night. So That's awesome. Uh, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Sweet. Um, yes, yes. Um, my final thought, um, is stems off something that we've, we've talked about throughout, throughout the, uh, podcast and that's Dan Campbell. And I bring up Dan Campbell because from the moment he was hired, his biting the kneecaps press conference, I have had not good feelings and questions about this guy. Who is he? What does he stand for? How is he allowed to be the head coach of a football team? And I alluded to it a little bit earlier on that his presence, his enthusiasm. You know, I know Jerry talks a lot of, a lot of times about like, don't these guys in the building understand like the outside Dan Campbell, I honestly believe thinks they're going to win every single, like he honestly, like not faking it, not, not, he honestly believes the Lions are going to go into the game and win. Like, he's just that enthusiastic. And I will say, the Lions are nowhere. They, they might be the least talented roster in the NFL. But they by no means are the least hardworking, however you want to put it. Because every game, that team, despite being winless, is going out there. And this is a long way of saying, I still don't believe Dan Campbell is a head coach, but I will say the fact that he had the presence of mind after their first win, he could have easily got up in his press conference and given the game ball to the owner, to his quarterback, Jared Goff, who just is beaten down and, but let a game win. he could have easily gone football guy and done any of those things. And he did it. He took a minute. He acknowledged the school shooting from there in Michigan, read off the names of those who were killed and injured and honored them by giving them the game ball. What does it mean in the grand scheme of things? Not a whole lot, okay? There's bigger problems out there, but for Dan Campbell, who we always, he's the meathead guy. For him to do that, he gained a lot of respect. I still don't want to call him plays for my team, but I can see why I can see why he's Sean Payton wants him on his team. I can see why he sells owners and decision makers about why he can be a leader, because if that infectious enthusiasm and that high level of thinking from a guy like that, who just won his first NFL game as a real head coach, not counting his interim status, if he can do that, that's pretty cool. So good, good for him. Um, and also we're recording this December 7th, you know, on our usual Tuesday night. And it just so happens to be the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. So another thing to recognize that all too often that 
things that are top of mind, whether it be 9-11, school shootings, kind of are the things that we most think about. And we don't remember, we certainly don't remember the things that happened 30, 40 years ago, let alone 80 years ago. So those types of things deserve to be memorialized and remembered if only for a minute during the day that it happened. So um, for the, what they call the greatest generation um, for fighting for the fighting for the country and doing everything that they do, a moment to, to recognize Pearl Harbor and what it meant to uh, this country. And in a time that they thought the world was on the brink to come together and do something good, I guess gives a little bit of hope that there, that things can go good at some point. So with that said, we're on to Cincinnati. So with that, with that, we will cross our fingers, cross our toes. We will do whatever it takes to let the Niners know that they need this one. So for Jeff, for Jerry, I'm Todd. Thanks for listening to Three Side Sports. Follow us on Twitter. Send us comments. Send us questions. Send us a review on Apple iTunes. We will see you next week. Good night.